He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to episode 132 of A Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson. I'm joined with Barry. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. And uh, this week we have a uh, little returning member of the team. Hey, Will. Hey, James. Hey, Barry. Great to be here for a little cameo. You know, thanks very much for having me back. That's all right. Uh, we held any- you in the dungeon waiting for the Masters review. Yeah, I'm delighted. It's a very pivotal moment of the year. Well, that's it. If anybody wants to uh, congratulate Will on his return, you can get us on Twitter at a good talk golf. The email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Um, are we going to do our own games this week or are we just go straight through to the Masters? I want to mention that we played the Smurfit course. In, okay. The two of us did on Tuesday. Uh, we went out and played the Smurfit course in the K Club. So it's the second course where uh, on the. In the estate where the Ryder Cup 2006 was played, and it was a fantastic golf course. Really fun, really enjoyable, challenging, but very fair, and their greens are in fantastic shape. Um, we made a few putts, and the putts we didn't make, we got kind of close on, so the the place kind of made you feel really good, and uh, some wonderful looking holes. I had my phone out taking photos on a lot of holes, and this was on a grey day, so you know a golf course is uh, very pretty and appealing to your eye when you can do that on a grey day, so... Um, just, yeah, it would be one we'll definitely go back and play again. Yeah, if anybody's going to play the Palmer course, the Ryder Cup course, try and make it a double header or something and play the Smurfit as well. It's a, it's a cracking golf course in its own right. Which was the one that, um, now forgive me if I'm wrong here, that McElroy hit that three wood? That was the Palmer course, the, the Ryder Cup course. course yeah. yeah, the Ryder Cup course. Br- brilliant golf course as well, some stunning holes. But uh, the two, yeah, great great place to go play golf. Yeah, it's 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 a great setup. Um, I'd never played it, and... Um, I just thought, even what are we now? Mid March, uh, mid April. Superb, superb condition. Mm. Place was well maintained, um, and they're putting a bit of money into it as well. There's some nice kind of plates for the the tee boxes. They're getting nice, you know, benches. Just the little, the little kind of fine tuning of things that makes the place visually amazing across the board. And say in a few weeks' time, when all that's installed, it's going to be right up there. It'll look fantastic. Yeah, I'd say you get a good price on a double header though. You know, if you mm-hmm. played, you know, random and saw how much it was for, for thirty six, yeah. yeah, I'd say you get a good deal. Um, <laughs> You'd be, want to be fairly fit. Well, they do have buggies. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be a good shout with the buggies. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely one would recommend that one. Check it out. Yeah, it was good fun. Uh, played a lot better uh, yesterday on Tuesday than I did last Saturday. But anyway, any other news? Any uh, anything that has caught anybody's attention this week on the on the golfing world I'm going to broke through the, the big wave of news that is Augusta not really for me no the, the, that's the story it's Masters week it's the big one it's the start of the year the golfing year for most people and it's when everyone gets really kind of gets motivated to get to the range and also sit down and watch the TV for hours on end it's uh, like Wimbledon God, yeah, you know when Wimbledon was on the TV everyone gets out the old rackets Mm. You know, goes down, has some strawberry and cream. You know, when the Masters starts, <laughs> well, I'm very posh of you, Will. <laughs> Sorry, I am very posh, yes. Uh, most people just went out the front of their house and pretended there was a tennis net there and just yeah. hit a tennis ball on the main road until a car arrived. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, right, moving on. Masters week. Uh, we now know that Sergio Garcia is no longer the world's best player to never have won a major. A stunning victory over uh, Justin Rose in the first playoff hole. He, uh, he and Justin tied at 9 under uh, for a 279 total. And um, look, first off, um, I suppose, who would have thought it? Um, I sir, did. Did you? I did. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I said it like, you know, to whoever would be, was willing to listen. But I also said another four of the people who actually all finished in the top ten. So <laughs> Hey, that's a good shout. You know? yeah, who were the other people? Um, I had said, well, okay, I said Garcia. Obviously, I said McElroy. Mm. I said McElroy was going to win by eight. <laughs> <laughs> Someone came back to me and said, yeah, McElroy by eight, who, what, what kind of stuff are you smoking? And I said, well, I do say that every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then I had said, um, I had said Ram as well. You know, I said a few people. I said J.R., um, funnily enough, like, you know, but I don't back anyone. So mm. I don't, uh, it wasn't like I was nervous coming down the finish. Because you dismissed Sergio with a wave of a hand on last week's podcast. Yeah, you can't see that over the air on a pod, you know, listening to a podcast. Oh, yeah. I think people knew it by <laughs> they, the tone of your voice they when felt, I suggested oh, look, it. I did. Of course I did. Um, there were a lot of factors pointing to why he wouldn't win it there. And uh, yeah, I was ex- as excited as anybody to see him win. I love Sergio. And uh, even though I had a bet on Rose... If, if my bet was going to be beaten, I was delighted that it was Sergio. You're the second person to say that. I was talking to a guy in the lift who had Justin Rose as well for whatever five or ten euro or whatever it was. And he said that if he had been beaten by Justin Rose, if he had been beaten by Spieth or Bubba Watson oh, yeah, or something like that, he would have been disgusted. But I think everyone had a heartfelt kind of like... Yeah. You know, yeah, go, no, it go was Sergio, but it was an emotional win. Like we've watched him struggle and have come up against so many bad breaks and tough, you know, tough breaks and majors, and thinking that he might actually never do it. Like he's thirty-seven, you know, he's kind of reaching that point where, you're like, is he actually? You know, he still hits a phenomenal. I'm thirty-seven. Phenomenal. Well, you're not going to win the Masters. Well, I'm sorry. I say that with more confidence than I did Sergio <laughs> last week. Yeah, I'm just going to go out and do that now. I'm going to win the Masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to create your own tournament called the Masters, and the only yeah, one entry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Look, delighted he won it. He played unbelievably well. Um, we'll probably go into the breakdown of his range a little later on. But yeah, over the moon, happy days. And I I think everybody around is happy he's got that monkey off his back. Well, from a, from a guy five years ago saying he was never going to win a major, that he didn't have the game for it, he didn't have clearly the mental uh, mm. attitude towards it. Um, a lot over the weekend was being talked about the girlfriend, fiance, how important she's been to kind of getting him to the point of realizing that actually he can. Well, the attitude, you know, did you see a shift over the last while in Sergio that because you backed him or, you know, we're saying, what was it that you felt was just there was something that you had seen different to, to all of the. Yeah, well, Sergio has always been a fun kind of guy. You know, he's always had that little bit of banter about him, you know. But this year in particular, he's mixed that bit of banter with a bit of kind of cutting edge. So coming down the stretch, like he's already won this year already, you know, prior to the Masters. So he was coming into the Masters on form anyway. His ball striking was phenomenal, bar that obviously that in the match play, that one tee shot that he actually hit 190 degrees left, which was quite amusing. But like... His attitude has been has been changing. I think that he had always been the kind of guy that when things got tough, he began to lose it mentally. Do you think, Barry, though, with with Sergio, 
you get to a point where if at five years ago he said, look, my time has come and gone, I'm not going to win a major, that actually, you know, we talked, Rory this week talked about coming in to Augusta very relaxed, very chilled out. Do you think Sergio just got to a point where these kind of the four weeks each year is kind of like, sure, if I win, I win. Like, it's, it's, if I don't, sure, who cares? I'll just enjoy it and see. And maybe this was the culmination of kind of just relaxing into a, into a major week. You mean as in he's not going in with an expectation to win, he's just going in to try to play his best and see where the just, charts... Just to enjoy it. See and where just the to, chips fall. Yeah, just to enjoy the, the, the four rounds and see what happens. And, uh, you know, if the, door, if the door opens, then he'll give his best shot to go through it. But yeah. if not, he goes home and he's not going to beat himself up about it anymore. Yeah, it, cer- it certainly feels like he's got a, a kind of a different outlook on life now. And it, it really does. And through hearing reports, it really is... A, attributable to this new um, person in his life, um, Angela Aikens, is it? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I heard that she was she had put little post-it notes all around the house they were staying in for the week with just little messages, you know, giving him encouragement, telling him, you know, he's a great, what a great golfer he is. And just, he's got, it just seems to be that positivity is making that 1% to 2%, like the 1% or 2% difference that is the difference in elite athletes in, between winning and finishing 10 shots off. But, it's that intangible little difference that like you can get from a sports psychologist or a small tweak in in anything in your life and he's got that one thing that's just well, helped him push on that tiny little level more and got him to the, got him to the win so um yeah huge huge credit has to go to her and his life and and everything that's around him right now to and he was able to channel all of that into the win. There was also a lot of conversation over the course of the week of Olathebal sending text messages mm-hmm. and and you know good luck uh, inspiration and all of those things which obviously uh, factored in well how important and we're going to come on to the to kind of a breakdown of how he won where things sw- swung but how important do you think it was that on the Sunday when he had the chance to win and uh, that he was playing in a group with Justin Rose a friend a Ryder Cup colleague clearly they were enjoying each other's company there was a lot of high-fiving a lot of low-fiving going on how important was it that he was playing with the European on the final round, say over Jordan Spieth or or you know somebody else or Matsuyama, somebody that maybe didn't have the familiarity that perhaps uh, Justin Rose and Sergio had? I think it was massively important I, for Sergio. I think that I was actually only talking to someone about this where the same kind of question came up, and it was a case of saying that Sergio loves to have fun. Mm-hmm. As we all know, on the golf course, he loves to have the bit of banter with people. Mm-hmm. It helps him to relax. Yeah. Right now, Justin Rose likes to have a bit of fun, but he is ice cool as well. You know the kind of way he's wearing his sunglasses, he's wearing his hat. In a way, and like you, you may contradict me on this. I think that he bustled Justin Rose into getting up to Sergio's level, where he thought about it as more fun mm-hmm. than actual his usual ice cool persona. Like, if when you saw Justin Rose when he won the Open, he was a lot more, you know, by himself with his caddy. You know, that kind of way. Whereas with Justin, with, with Sergio, they were, as you said, they were high-fiving in the whole lot. So, it was like a mental thing that, you know, Sergio got out of Justin Rose what he needed mm. was not really letting Justin Rose do what he wanted yeah, to I do. Yeah, it's like Sergio set his own atmosphere. He set his, he his was own complete, environment. He was in complete control of that final day. I texted you. Other than the three drives that he hoiked left. Yeah, but he was in complete control, men- like mentally, yeah, yeah. 
you know, in charge of the round. He was the the, the big dog, so to speak. Mm. You know, the the uh, the the personality, so to speak. I texted you on Sunday um, when Sergio was on the first tee, and I've never seen a professional quite so obviously nervous. Um, I think he stood away. There was a lot of deep breaths going on. Um, phenomenal first drive to settle the nerves and birdieing the first. It, the swing of the the last day, and we all know the famous saying, it doesn't start until the back nine on, on Sunday. But really, before we get to the back nine, just briefly, Barry, from your perspective, where was it won or lost for Sergio? Was it Was it all down to the last day, just staying in contention the first couple of days in very tough conditions? You can't be in position on the last day to win it without a good foundation, and that and everybody knows you need to be in and around the top ten from you know going into the weekend to be there because Augusta is very hard to play catch up <coughs> golf. Um, he battled the conditions as well as anybody, got himself in a good position. You know, little things have to go right for you to win majors. We all know that. I mean, there was a couple of breaks he had throughout the week, and. They have to go for you to win. Like you, you can't just win by playing perfect golf and not being, you know, got a break or two here or there. I thought a really crucial one was um, on thirteen on Saturday when he came up short of the green, but his ball stayed on the bank and actually la- ends up on a flat spot. And he, I think he made birdie from there. That's huge. Like that's a two shot difference plus momentum plus mentality. If that ball goes in the water, Sergio's immediately thinking, "Oh, f- here we go again!" Like just woe is me, but. You know, that, that little thing, you start to think, geez, maybe this actually might be my a, a great week for me. And, you know, the positivity just kind of comes out again and everything about you is, is good. You're swinging better then because of that one little thing can just, you know, if it goes against you, it's terrible. It goes for you. It just it exploded. And, uh, you know, the little breaks along on Sunday, you know, Rose not making that putt on 13. He really, that was it. That, that was, was the turning point. That was the tournament. That was the tournament, I, th- I thought. Rose makes that. That's punishing Sergio's mistake. And it's really stamping his authority on it, and he missed it. And Sergio's like, "Great, doors open. I have a chance here now." And uh, I think that that was the swing point, and I think everybody would probably agree with that. And if Sergio had to go make the birdie on fourteen, and then a phenomenal eagle on fifteen. Um, just he he hit better quality shots down the down the the last stretch of holes than Rose did. Um, so yeah, I, I, he deserved a win. But if really we did. Let, let's analyze then just the thirteenth for the moment. Will Sergio? Drives off, goes into out of bounds left, finds it under the bush, takes takes unplayable. Ends up very sensibly just knocking it down, laying up, up and down for a five. Um, Barry talks about a huge, you know, for Justin Rose missing his birdie putt, but it was not an easy par putt either for for Sergio and and you know. That could have easily have still gone par bogey, and it's still a swing in favour of Justin. Um, a guy whose putting stroke isn't always his strongest point. Um, the thirteenth must have been like you know just a shot in the arm for Sergio at that stage, isn't that right? Well, yeah. Well, what you're talking about is like as you say, the 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 Masters doesn't start until the back nine, or sorry, any kind of competition, as they say in golf, doesn't really start until the back nine on Sunday, right? So all of a sudden. Garcia stands over on the 10th, bogeys the 10th, bogeys the 11th, knocks his tee shot out of bounds on the 13th, okay? So all of a sudden he's standing there. This is why I think his mentality changed because they, like a lot of people, they turn around and they kind of say that they look at the fact that they're playing match play on the last day, 
Justin Rose even inferred to it, like, you know, that you're playing against one other guy, especially when you've got a bit of a, a buffer on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, but do you think that was helped by the fact that nobody came from the field? That's, yeah. You so, know, that there wasn't that kind of, <coughs> in the last couple of groups, there wasn't a guy posting any big numbers. You know, I think I think for most of the afternoon, um, they like all kept six, away. five, six under was like the clubhouse, and yeah. these guys yeah. were minus seven, minus eight, minus nine. Like, they never really were pressurised, so it could become that match play. It wasn't, say, it, it, it would have been slightly less of a match play if there had been two or three guys, if Kucher had gone and shot, you know, posted a nine or a ten under in the in the clubhouse. Now, all of a sudden, somebody from the field has come through. Most of them, like Ricky, they just all fell away on Sunday. Mm, you know, yeah. it, it was a two-horse race by the time the back nine started. Yeah. And then it's... Pure match then play. Then it's pure match play. So I think the biggest moment is, and they always kind of say this when it comes to match play, first in generally win. <clears throat> okay? You know, they say that if you're put lining up in two yeah. birdie puts. One person, person goes first, mm. gets it, the second person misses. First person misses, the second person will, you know, if as long as they can put, will get it, right? So that's what happened on the 13th. Justin Rose was in the back of the 13th in two, having hit a really good shot, just got unfortunate that he obviously took too much club or whatever. He had a beautiful chip down that really could have gone in. So all of a sudden he's looking at an eagle to a par, right? Garcia, he looked like he was dead out of the hole. All of a sudden he makes that putt from six foot and Rose misses from five. You know, that's like a match play, massive match play moment. If you're playing match play, if you're two down after, let's say, on the back nine in a nine hole competition and all of a sudden then you make a putt, you get a run out of there with a half, you're like thinking, okay, now I'm... I'm in the ascendancy even though I'm two down. And and the problem is that really for, for Justin, he just never really made the birdies, you know, early on the back nine. Like, we had to wait till 15 to get the first birdie for Justin Rose, where on 14, you know, just after that, you know, incredible five by Sergio, he goes and birdies the next. That's going to be a double whammy now for Justin because now all of a sudden he hasn't birdied the par five his playing part, you know, the, the the match play guy he's against has just half the hole in effect. And then he stands up in the next and he birdies the next, yeah. you know. And that's that's got to be, you know, really a double whammy for, for Justin at that stage, thinking, I should have birdied the last and mm-hmm. I should be ahead. And how he got away with the par. And now all of a sudden I'm parring this and he's birdied it. Like it was a real swing. It was a real momentum swing at that stage. It's, it's, an, emo- it's an emotional hammer blow that he took on the 13th. You know, you're lo- he's thinking, he sees Sergio making par from the disaster situation he was in, on, you know, in the trees, left of the thing. And Sergio makes par and Justin Rose is thinking, give me a break. Like, how is that not a bogey or a double bogey? And he makes a par. Are you kidding me? You know? So, um, and then he misses his on top. It's just, I mean, for him to keep going and make a couple of birdies in 15 and 16, you know, shows how strong a character he is and how he used his experience in winning the US Open to keep himself in there when others may have just, that might have wiped him off the map to experience that moment that he did on 13. Well, but let's let's talk about 15 because we, we kind of get the next, we've got 13. Yeah, yeah. And then 15 really is the next major bit where the, the kind of the jigsaw comes together. Well, can we for go Sergio? back one step, if you don't mind, right? If you think you were talking about Sergio and how he, you know, parred that hole and then came back and, you know, birdied and then eagled, right? Mm. If you think about the fact that earlier on in the round, Sergio started, what was it, birdie, par, birdie, or birdie, birdie, something along those lines, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden, 
Rose bogeyed the fourth hole. Fifth. The fifth hole, excuse me. Sorry, the fifth hole, right? So at that point, then, there was three shots in the difference between the two lads. So for Justin Rose to go out then and birdie the next three holes shows an amazing character as well. You know, as they say, and a lot of people are getting bored of this saying, bounce back ability. But, like, that just shows it. So all of a sudden, it was swings and roundabouts the whole way through. Yeah, I, like, there's no doubt. And, and you can see where Justin Rose has that, that, that major experience that it's not going to be won over the first couple of holes. He's, he's not that worried, you man, you know, that Sergio's a couple ahead. You can kind of see that. You never see that kind of ice-cold exterior ever waver mm-hmm. and I'd say internally he's thinking look I've loads of holes here mm. you know like you know it and I, I do think they all talk about it all the players have talked about it over the, the course of the week it doesn't start till the back nine and I'd say that Justin's head was probably look I can put two or three holes like these guys are so good and I don't you know I know it's the Masters I know it's Augusta but these guys are just so good, especially on Sunday mm. when pins are a bit more accessible. And scoring, you know, and scoring yeah. can can occur. Like even at that point, Justin is probably still thinking, "I can go and have a 66, 67 out of this round." You know, even at that point, mm-hmm. um, the fifteenth though, you know, is is the second of the par fives on the back nine. That you know, it's not easy most of the time. But you're you're thinking birdie has to be you know, the kind of the score, especially on the Sunday. Sergio goes in with a phenomenal second shot, hits the bottom of the pin, bounces out. You're nearly at that stage thinking, oh, is it going to, is this going to be how it, you know, is this going to be the problem? To put that in from, what was he? 12 foot. 12, 12, 13 foot for an eagle. Like, again, it just... We talk about momentum, mm. but all of a sudden now it's swinging back towards Sergio, where it had swung to Justin, kind of from the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and so on. That all of a sudden the, the the momentum when you get on that, like Danny Willett last year, you know, once you get on that kind of momentum it's moment, a wave. you just keep going and and hope that something doesn't knock you off. And the thing is, from from the thirteenth on. Um, Sergio did. I don't think Sergio hit a shot he'd take back. I don't think he hit a bad shot. Everything was drives were nuked, irons were pure. Just everything was so good. And you compare that to what Rose Rose was just a little bit off now. I think Rose tweaked his uh, back shoulder. or something, or shoulder or neck or something on his tee shot on fifteen, and left him a little bit further back. He hit a good shot. He just pulled it a little bit, and he made his birdie. You know that's great. If he had a chance at an eagle, he's done nothing wrong there. He birdied sixteen. And uh, 17, I think he tried to play for a little bit of a flyer out of the rough. And it just didn't carry that extra three, four yards to get him over the bunker. And that would have released out towards the pin. And uh, that was that was huge. And obviously not making the putt was massive. But I think coming down the stretch in those last you know five holes, Sergio hit better shots. And then in the playoff as well, he hit better shots. And Rose's approach to 18 in regulation, that was it off the, off the bunker? And it came across the green. Like he's lucky to actually just catch that yeah. shelf to knock it across the green and give him a much easier chance at a, at a birdie. I just think Sergio played better shots at the crucial moments on Sunday and on the last few holes. I think tee to green, no doubt. The nervousness to which he put it, I think, in the last couple of holes, um, I was delighted because I wanted it. Like I wanted Sergio to win. Mm. I texted you and said, "Look, I." This this would be phenomenal if he if he can pull this off. 
the, the, the shakiness, I think, of the putts. Now, I know that the guys are saying, oh, he hit it where he wanted and all the rest. It didn't look like it was a convincing putt. Like, most of, after the, uh, the, the, the 15th, you know, 16 was tentative. Now, I know it has to be to a certain extent, but you're yeah. kind of thinking, look, it's not that far. You know, a player of his ability, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was conservative at best. There's a, that's a good expression. But that put on 16, that thing can run six foot past without you even thinking about it. And that, I think that's what worried him, you know. And he's like, okay, if I just, just want to dolly it in. The, his stroke has never been solid in putting. You're not going to teach anybody to watch Sergio Garcia when it comes to putting. But, you know, he, uh, he got it done. It was the two, the two lads putting on a ball striking masterclass. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing to watch. And I'm really looking forward to having that as a master's film that I can watch in future oh, yeah, years. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk just before we move beyond them. Uh, the playoff, um, you know, they, they both miss what looked makeable puts um in regulation all of a sudden they go back rose probably after what you're just saying about ball striking masterclass showed exactly the opposite of that with the drive on the the first uh, on the 18th in in the playoff i saw something actually just just sorry to interrupt but bef- when he was taking the drive he's setting up he lines up behind it like he always does and he stood up to the ball and uh I just said to myself, his feet are pointing right. His feet were aiming at the trees. I went, that's not good. His feet are pointing right. He needs to stop and bang. He's launched it into the trees. Like Rose would never aim. Like he wouldn't play. He's not aiming to play a draw there. He, I think he aligned himself poorly. And it, so do you think that he purposely lost the playoff? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly fell for that. <laughs> um... Maybe that's what. Maybe that was the backhand. Yeah, the, the backhand. low five. Oh, on the sixteen. So there. I, I still can't lose this bloody you know, thing. That Sergio that, handed him the note. <laughs> yeah. The pressure of the situation, I thought, caused him to make a small little mistake in the setup. Um, the, the, I, the great if thing, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like, but it looked to me like he was aiming right into the trees, and then pff, you're, it's over. It's over from then. But isn't it? You know, there's, there's been debate all week about you know the second shot was there pine cone blah 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 about Justin and knocking it just out. I'm delighted that Sergio went and birdied the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it it didn't matter then what Rose was going to do. Like you know, he would have needed to he, get on the green. He, or there was no way he was shot. getting on yeah. the green from yeah, the yeah. third shot from his second shot. Sure. So it kind of made the whole kind of oh. Should he have laid up? Should he have gone for yeah. it? Blah, blah, blah. Became a moot point because exactly. Sergio went and won it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between, you know, Sergio now, um, you know, is a guy who will go and win it. And, and maybe, you know, the floodgates will open. Maybe this guy can go off and win maybe one or two more over the next year and a half. Uh, you're going with six? Six majors. Six majors. Would you like to this nominate this year? <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. I did, uh, so, yeah, ladies I, and gentlemen, Will, for one week only, is back on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I personally think that, yeah, he's opened the floodgates. Um, I don't think he's going to win another one this year. I think that, obviously, the overwhelming, you know, it's going to be like a Danny Willett year, I think. Not that his game is going to dip or anything mm. like that, but I just think that he won't win another major. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong I think but I you mean I this year this year because you just said he's going to win six yeah yeah, yeah. No, yeah. But honestly he can't win six because there's only four but no but like how many do, do, you, do you genuinely <laughs> I do think he'll win six, he'll yeah, win yeah. six in, by the end of his career the I think he'll win six over? he's 37 now he's three years before he's 40 mm. you know um, and then you're talking about he could easily if he, as long as he stays fit healthy yeah. all that kind of stuff what was it 70 74 attempts to get the first one but then you're in trouble when you hit 40 according to statistics Especially with the majors in America, 
winning a major in America is almost impossible if you're over 40, according to stats. So that's a troublesome thing for him. Now, he could. there's always records there to be broken. I think he goes on to win two more now at this stage. Just that pressure off his shoulders. He's going to... The confidence and belief he has. Like, they're going to Brookdale. Well, this, you know, this is... This, that, that, like, that'll, suit, that'll suit Sergio. You know, he's going to go play an Open Championship. He's got great records at the Opens across multiple courses. He's going to go into that feeling like a million dollars. I think McElroy's going to win that by if, Before... Be, <laughs> if you keep saying it, it might eventually... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blind squirrel catches it. Exactly, yeah. I mean, before that, the US Open, you know, and he's plenty long enough. We saw the distance he can hit the ball at the moment. Like, he's plenty long enough for Aaron Hills. I, I he's, think, he's a weapon in every major he goes to now. I also think there's... And I, 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 I think that he has a real chance to win more this year. And that's where I disagree with... Will, I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to a Danny Willett situation because Danny Willett was a mm. bandit who won it last year and what he did was he went on a total piss for 12 months and his game has clearly been indicating that. Sergio Garcia is 37, he's won his major, he's going to celebrate, he's going to enjoy it but I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to sit there and go I've got the monkey off my back now, I don't need to bother again. I think he goes out at the US Open I think he goes out at the Open Championship and I think he goes there with the mentality of why can't I put two or three together Jordan Speed did it a couple of years ago where what he had three in one year was it what did Jordan two two, two with mm. uh, with with very two close the to the second um, but I th- I think Sergio has a chance this year and I think Berkdale's a great shout I think somewhere like that is going to if he doesn't make take a, a dreadful dip of, of the elation of winning, and I, I don't think he does. Let's let's have a look at we've talked about the future. Let's have a look at the guys that that didn't win it. You know, outside of Rose. So I'm sure everybody's familiar with the leaderboard. But the two boys tied at nine under. We've Schwartzel at six under, Kucher at five under, alongside Thomas Peters. Great performance by the young bomber. Paul Casey four under, Kevin Chapel and Rory McIlroy three under, Adam Scott, Ryan Moore two under. Matsuyama, Henley, Kepka, Fowler, and Spieth on one under. A few of the guys, you could call it backdoored their top fives. Um, but Charles Schwartzel shot 68 68 in the weekend. Deserved, you know, high finishing performance. But, really good, you know, and didn't get much coverage either. So he, he kind of just stealths his way up the leaderboard, and you're like, where did he come from? But just the way the coverage goes, you don't see it happening. But I think the point, and we're going to look at a couple of these now, and other than Matt Kuchar, most of them had something in the the mid seventies at some point over the the four rounds. Mm. You know, you look at uh, as you say, Charles Schwartzel started with the seventy four. You know, uh, we have um, you know Thomas Peters seventy five on Saturday, uh, Paul Casey seventy five on Friday, Kevin Chapel seventy six on Friday. You know, like you can't if you then put that to where Sergio was seventy one sixty nine seventy sixty nine. And same with Justin. Justin didn't go over par for mm-hmm. the weekend, for the for the whole week. 71, 72, 69, 69, uh, sorry, 67, 69. That's the difference between where those guys were contending. And I think you look at the, that block that you've just read out. Yeah. And there's one round in every single one of theirs that's at least 73, if not higher. And that, that fits in beautifully with what I was, uh, what Steve Bamford was talking about on uh, the Golf Betting System podcast. Um, I was luckily invited to join him on that last week. He was saying bogey avoidance was a huge thing for the Masters this week, and it proved correct. Avoiding those disasters, and not just bogeys, but avoiding the doubles, the triples, the quads, 
in the case of Jordan Speed, that was massive because you don't have to make a birdie then if you're making bogeys and you can just tick along and take the birdies when they come. Um, like we can we can talk about the guys that you know boosted themselves up the leaderboard on Saturday, like Peters, Casey, Chapel. They all played wonderful rounds, but I want to focus on the the big failures of the big names. Roy McIlroy is going to be just raging. Six shots off, and he had a, an atrocious week. T to green. He said he was playing the wrong ball. Um, the, you know whatever happened in testing when he got out there in the wind, it just wasn't doing what he expected. And um, for somebody with a long game like his, he should be way better. He actually had a really, he had a really, that, he had a really good the, week of putting. No, his distance, but I the his golf, distance control I think, was I thought crap. The, the, the golf ball idea, you know, it seemed a bit weak yeah. as an argument to me. Like, if he didn't like it on day one, change it for day two or day three or day four. Mm. You know, like, he was never in contention in truth. He never put enough together to actually be, you know, Rory did what Rory does, which is... You know, he knocks around and he gets another top 10 or another top 5 and it looks good. But he never really got going. Like, you know... There was one moment. <laughs> every time he looked like he was getting going, there was one moment on the Saturday that I thought that he was one over starting on Saturday morning mm. and he started out, he was like a little bit lower. I was thinking post a score, moving day. And he started, having been two over on each day on the first three, he started uh, two under for the first three holes. Having, so his, his yep. first three holes were killing him at the beginning. He was two over on the first day. He went, he got one over on the second day. And then all of a sudden he was two under. So he went from one over to one under. He's got a good start to the range. Going, yeah. The leaders are only five under or six under. I was thinking, if he can get another three birdies and have a 68, 60, a 67, put a bit of pressure, then he's the guy who's come in. 100% agree with you. But he, every time he looked like he was going to get that momentum and you know start riding the wave, he just missed it. And then, you know, so he makes a bogey on five. And then a dreadful double bogey on seven, and he's, everything he's worked for is just crushed. And he just doesn't have—he doesn't have the ability to really get it going and keep it going this whole week long. But if you—if you look as we are, for listeners who obviously can't see us, we're looking at his four rounds. And um, if you look at the the two par fives on the back, the thirteenth and the fifteenth, you know there ain't a lot of you know like there's there's a, too many pars over the course of the four days. Mm. To, to really be in contention. He should and, be eight under for those holes. Yeah, and that's and, and and the reality is like, you know, they were talking about if you're not birdieing, certainly on thirteen, if you're not having a good birdie pretty much each day on that, you're dropping a shot on the field. And if you look at the the way that he played, you know, he was only two under for thirteen over the four days. You know, he was one under for fifteen over the four yeah. days. It it to me I I think, you know, Rory just never got going, whatever it wasn't in the porridge, it never got, you know, it never worked. And and I think that he flattered to deceive. I think it, it looked like he was going to make a move and just never got moving. Look, we can't just sit here ragging on his entire game. His distance control was off in his irons, but what I did think was really excellent was his short game. I thought his short, short game, game was awesome. was brilliant. And that is going to stand to him. The work he's done at the start of this year, after the injury to his short game, He'll figure out the long game. We know he will. He's awesome at the long game. If he gets the wedges a little bit better, like his wedges are a bit messy, but if he can get those fine-tuned and sort the long game with the ball or whatever it is, he's going to be... He's going to just roll away but with it. Roll away with but it. But if it wasn't for a short game, he wouldn't have been oh, not there for the weekend. But that's why you, you, know, that's, that's why that's you practice it. That's why yeah. you practice it. For when your long game's off, your short game's there to back you up. Yeah. And he now has that. If that's a, if that's a thing that's now stuck in his game... 
oh my god, I would be fearing him so much more now as as an opponent well, than I was be, than I was before the Masters. Seeing him being able to do that, you know, oh no, now, now Rory can now Rory can save himself and his long game's off. This is not good. So if Michael Roy had have won the Masters, which we obviously know he didn't, okay. There was a point for me after the first day, right? So he was three over making the turn on the first day. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is going bad for him, right? He made the turn, 10, 11, 12, holes that he's not exactly great friends with, right? Mm. And he made three of the most amazing up and downs that I've ever seen. And even mm. the commentators were, like, going, first and foremost, because he, he doesn't normally have as good a short game. Yeah. And second of all, like, Augusta's impossible to get up and down in. But he made 10, 11, 12 bogey, or save par on all of them. And then he went birdie, you know, par, birdie, birdie, to finish level par. And I went, okay, he, he's going to push on now and win this. Mm. Do you think Barry Rory needs to win a major this year? No, just need to. He'd I like know. to, but you don't need to win a major every year. I mean, it's how ridiculous is it that, you know, everybody talks about him being irrelevant because he hasn't won a major in a couple of years. He's got four majors. Are you kidding me? Like, who of the current crop is is, is near him in majors of his peers right but now? But it's, 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 it's not about that. Is it is it for his own self-belief? Is it for his own career to keep tick, ticking over that he needs to put another major this year? That then it's three years, then we no, get back to the Masters no, next no, year, no, no, it's no. three years. If he never wins another major, he's won four majors. That's, an, that's like top 20 of all time. Yeah, but we're not putting Rory in, in, in that category. Rory has always been in a category Are that you, is far ahead of a four-time major winner. But he, who, who he's gives a shit? Like, that doesn't mean you're going to get double digits. Sergio's in that category. Until he won a major, Sergio could have gone his whole career without winning a major. In that category of elite level golfer, if Rory doesn't win another major, it's a phenomenal career. I think he will, and I don't think he needs to win one this year for for any reason whatsoever. You only get four chances a year. That's not hard. You have four oper- You have to peak four times. It's really hard to peak even just once at the right time during the year. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, well, somebody, know. Yeah, somebody who uh, somebody who hasn't peaked, uh, Ricky Fowler, um, again, like we talk about just bad days. He can't have them. Like, 76 on Sunday. It's like the worst time to have a 76. Mm. Um, his putting, for most of the week, was superb. Yeah. What he did from Saturday night into Sunday morning, I, I have no idea. Because he put it worse than I did on Saturday, and that says something. He, he may have put his putter in the freezer. I think, I think his putter was covering over uh, cracks in his long game. His long game was not as good as it usually is. Um, and he just couldn't the putter just couldn't keep saving him the whole way through the week and once it kind of goes cold and the pressure comes on and you're trying to make them then the flow is gone from the stroke just that fraction and that made the difference and I think you know he makes those bogeys on four and five and that really kind of kills him and he knows he's that far behind and you push and you, you we all know when you try to push in Augusta you either get really lucky or more often than not you get bitten and he made five bogeys coming home and that was, you know, the steam had kind of gone from the engine at that stage. Before we wrap this up, I just want to say I just love the fact that at the Masters you have the likes of Freddie Couples um, and some of the big, big name, you know, older names just knocking around, playing golf. Like, it was great to see Freddie Couples playing like he did over the course of the four days. I don't know if you guys... Share that, but Freddie uh, Couples is awesome. Mm. Like it's it's the one bit I love. I I think that I think all the majors need to just allow 
the the past champions back because I just think it just adds something um, brilliant to it. I love I love that he can why I love that he can compete here because he knows the course so well. Now he's playing phenomenally well in the Champions Tour, but he just seems to get this little extra bit of magic in his step for you know when he comes to Augusta, and it's just great to see. And well, I, I, I could wa- I could watch that swing forever. It's just so know, beautiful. So here's a point: Do you think that like because Augusta okay since two thousand sorry nineteen ninety seven was when Tiger made that course look a little bit kind of mm. like ridiculous, right? So they lengthened it in 2012, right? They added in the yard. But they haven't really lengthened it since then. No. So what it's, it means is that it's the same golf course year in, year out. So Freddie Couples knows he might only be losing, you know, because of his swing. It's the same swing. He's not really losing yardage. So he has his yardage book and he can play the same shots as long as he's playing fairly well. So it's the one golf course that he can go to being, he doesn't have to think about it. Mm. It's he's just it's it instinctive. It's yeah. instinctive. He's in free flow. He's just getting up there and he's going, I love this place. Mm-hmm. It's like finding your lovely golf course. You know, and you go, I can play golf here. Like, it's like you turn around and say, okay, we're not going to go really into Drew's Heath, but it's a little bit harder than other places. So when you go to another golf course, you can go, I can hit it here. Mm. You know, and feel a bit more comfortable it's, looking at these bigger fairways or whatever. It's like, it's like playing your home course. Yeah. Yeah, kind of for a pro, it's like playing a home course for him. It's but it also just, must great. feel amazing just to walk into the the champions locker room. You know, you're away from everybody Hi else. Guys. You know, <laughs> and, and 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 I'd say it's just the whole experience, mm. and it's the champions dinner. It's the week, everything that goes on. I'd say it just makes you kind of walk that little bit taller and a little bit more enjoyable. It's got to be like golf Christmas. Look, you said something interesting there that I want to pick up on. You said they tiger-proofed course back in 1997. What did you guys think about Jordan Speed saying they can't Jordan-proof the course? Was he a little bit kind of cocky and arrogant or was he just kind of telling you like it is? Look at his course. <laughs> you know, that it, there was always going to... The whole thing about 12 like was just ridiculous the whole week long. Like, you know, he's got... That's a narrative that's in other people's heads, not his. He's worked to get rid of that, and you know he's he's mentally very tough. We know that, but um, yeah, he made. You know, I mean, to bounce back from that quad, to put himself in a position, the quad yeah. day one, to bounce back from that, to put himself in a position. I mean, he he was four under after day three. He went on a tear from like the the eighth hole on Friday all the way through to the fifteenth on Saturday. He was he went what nine under in that phase. Unbelievable to put himself in position after that quad. To have a chance on Sunday was just phenomenal golf, and he's he's another person you know I can see being a Freddie Couples in terms of Augusta. He could just he'll play there and play well there forever and ever and ever. Yeah, I I think the to answer your question which you posed, mm. I don't think you should ever make that kind of analogy. Let somebody else make it. Mm. Let let the reporter say it. Yeah, but yeah. Jordan Speed doesn't need now. You know he's still young. Maybe it was foolish. Maybe it was kind of you know kind of he was led into it by whatever the context of the questions were but ultimately let somebody else talk about you know tiger proofing courses or jordan speed think proofing courses mm. or whatever you want but just let somebody else do it you go out win your your tournament and let them talk about you i think that was the foolish bit for for jordan just sometimes you need to be a little bit more coy about comments like that and i just think you know, and Rory's had his own fair share of, of moments. Like, you know, I'm, I think there's a lot of media trying to pick up on a few controversial comments, but don't don't hand it to them. Yeah. And I think Jordan handed it to them this week, and, and I think he'll be disappointed looking back 
that maybe it wasn't the best thing to say. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's, he's saying it to try to get him, you know, his own mentality going that, like, I love this place, it's great, you know, and he said it for his own self-purposes. It just comes across as, yeah, you shouldn't have said that, mate. It's kind of... I, I think when you've done what Tiger's done on that course, yeah. and, you know, you you know he's a phenomenal uh, talent, particularly at Augusta. Like, we know that. But maybe do it in 10 years' time. And, when and you've then, won four yeah, competitions. Yeah, like, like do it when you have like a, a wardrobe full of green jackets and then say, well, you know, you needed to change because you didn't like what I was doing to the place anymore. You know, I, th- I think the other thing is that it was tiger-proofed, so to speak, but it was also the modern game mm-hmm. that dictated they had to yeah, the proof clubs, it. Everything it just happened that it was coinciding yeah. with, with Tiger, who was obviously that start of the new generation. Here's, of, here's of, one of thing, right? And I know we're pushing on. So um, there was a comment made, and I, forgive me if I may have heard this, but they were talking about Jack Nicholas. obviously all his comments about majors and all that kind of stuff. He turned around and said that he always just shot for the middle of the green. You know, and mm-hmm. saw what happened from there. He generally said he didn't win majors, other people lost them. Mm-hmm. You know, and McElroy came out with a comment and said, You can no longer shoot for the middle of the green in Augusta because they've made the green so fast. Yeah. Yeah, you have when he was winning his majors, yeah. they were at eleven. Yeah. Now they're up at thirteen. They have to aim for sections of the green, otherwise you're left with these insane puts. And look, it's that's that's the that's the modern game. It's gone on a level, it has moved on a tight level. They're, the guys have to be a little bit more exact and precise with their shots to get the rewards and, and, and uh you know, and win tournaments. But it's also a requirement, you know, they they're that good that the course needs to defend itself with mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah, with yeah. that you can't just hit it to the middle. Um, anybody else that really disappointed you, Barry, before we start looking ahead at next just week? Just about to ask that, like, biggest disappointment of the week. Biggest disappointment of the week for me is probably Justin Johnson not starting and not being part of, you know, see, seeing what, how if he could continue that run, which we were talking about last week. Could he continue the run? Um, Do you know what? There's a part of yeah. me that is delighted that on Thursday morning when he pulled out, by Thursday evening, we were talking about a lot of other things yeah. than Dustin Johnson. And actually... Until you just mentioned it, I actually had completely blanked the fact that he didn't play. Because to be honest with you, I think the tournament was good enough. It had everything. It had challenging days. It had the the, the low days. I just think that, um, yeah, look, would it have been better with him there? Yeah, of course it would have been. But I don't think anyone's going to have an asterisk besides Sergio's going, oh, well, Dustin didn't play. So I I think it was great that the story moved beyond him. Oh, Uh, absolutely. He's not a part of the tournament once he's out of it. So why should he be discussed at all? He he has no effect on the tournament whatsoever from that point. And all you can do is beat what's in front of you. And Sergio did that. I I was surprised by... Like, I was surprised by... Stenson never does well at Augusta. I learned that lesson last year. (laughs) Like Bubba Watson, we know he's playing poorly but I thought this would be a course that he would have kicked you know that yeah yeah, like you know you talked about it last week about um, about uh, you know Danny Willett would he come back he played Danny Willett looked like he had a real good chance you know to actually do something half decent Mm. and then just blew it up same with Lowry Lowry's another good shout for somebody who you know like battled really well on the first day, you know, it was a tough start. It was up and down, up and down, up and down, and then just the course chewed him just up, killed him. And when, when that baby co- hangover though, when that co- when that course gets momentum against you, it's it's really hard to break it. You just feel like, how can I make a par? It's so hard to make par, and you can see how that happens to players out there. I think the thing for the likes of Larry and Willett and all these guys, you know, and Bubba Watson, 
The Masters is one of those places that, like, you know, Rory missed the cut, what, two years ago? You know, you, you, you can go and miss the cut in this place and then bounce back two mm-hmm. weeks later and, and win a tournament. It's not necessarily indicative of where your game is at. Absolutely. I'm just surprised that Danny Willett, and particularly, I suppose, Bubba, didn't get the, the Masters bounce, so to speak, mm-hmm. that kind of, I'm a past champion. And, and I think if the conditions were easier, they'd probably do and they get through to the weekend. But they, it was a really, really tough challenge on Thursday and Friday. We can't underestimate that. Um, it really was difficult. What else? A couple of couple of nice little moments of the week. I thought the opening tee shot ceremony was lovely when they had the chair, the chair for Jack on. Oh, sorry for Arnie. Beg your Jesus! <laughs> breaking news, breaking folks! News. Breaking news! Bra- breaking news! Barry Barry mixes up two legends. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought that was a really nice moment, and uh, Billy Payne said a few nice words. It was just uh, it was very classily done. His wife there. Yeah, um, very. And there was actually, if you go to the Masters website. Um, they did Jim Nance did an interview with Arnold Palmer uh, last year and they've held on to the interview until this year and they've released it's about 13 minutes long which is a really nice chat and there's a moment towards the end it was right at the very end and uh, you, you wonder whether Arnold's are kind of alluding to the fact that he thought it was, was going to be his last Masters there just the way he says it you, if, you, if you see it then you, you'll know what I'm talking about if you don't see it then I'm kind of on my own on this one but uh, it was a really nice interview and um, with with a with a a guy that you know has kind of helped shape the modern game, so it was a really nice tribute to him. Um, to, to you know, and I'm done with that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. one big thing, right? That you, I don't know whether you think this is true or not, but so far this season, um, Garcia has won two competitions. Okay, so mm-hmm. did you read the article in the paper where his dog has been with him for the two competitions that he's won? So he's going to have to bring his dog so everywhere. They're now. Talking about the fact that the dog. Is the lucky omen, not 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 the not the wife to be. Well, maybe the dog belongs to the wife. I don't, or the wife to be. I don't know. But they had a picture of him going. This dog has only gone to two competitions with him this year. And he's is he going to get a little green jacket himself? Oh, dear. well, I don't think he's going to get it himself. But Sergio <laughs> might get it for the dog. You know. Well, you know that is that is a, a kind of a Will Griffith <laughs> a little nugget that uh, people You've missed will him, just folks. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm back. Uh, at, for today. At, at, a, at a good talk golf uh, at Twitter, let us know if uh, you heard any uh, interesting tidbits from the weekend. Um, Best player now never to win a major: uh, Lee Westwood, Matt Kuchar, Ricky Fowler. They, the three current oh. players trending. I'm gonna go. Jesus, uh, Rick, Rick, Ricky's probably the shout now, isn't he? But he's only he's still young, so I still think it has to be the US ones because he's got such a great. Sorry, barring the wins, you know, take the wins out of it. He's got a very good record in majors and. Poorly, just it looks like it just might not happen for him. But we thought that about Sergio, so I think the thing for Sergio, Lee, Sergio now winning might make Lee Westwood believe he can do well, it. Well, I, I think the thing for Lee was that you know he had Henrik Stenson there previously, mm. and he had Sergio, and kind of thought, well, I'm probably maybe third or fourth in the line. <laughs> All of a sudden, in, in in kind of sixteen months, twelve twelve months, yeah. he's now pushed up. I th- I think it has to be Lee just because of the age and the amount of times mm. compared to the amount of. Attempts that Ricky yeah. and Matt Kuchar. I also think that Matt Kuchar and Ricky will win. I just don't see Lee breaking through unless you yeah, know he, he might get that. He might get a little bit of belief having seen Sergio do. Go, jeez, you know what? They thought he'd never do it, and I thought he'd never do it, but he actually did it. 
Maybe I could do it. Well, he had a chance last year. Yeah, you know, at, I had a chance this year, and he had the chance this year. He just doesn't always look so convincing. That's uh, yeah, but the putter. Anyway, so I don't think either of them or any of them want that. Uh, that title. Comment, so. Sorry, just before you finish, yeah, yeah. This, just one little thing with regards to Porrick Harrington commenting on the. Uh, commentating on the golf I thought he was superb absolutely phenomenal yeah. he brought a kind of a breadth of I thought that that um, Thomas <clears throat> Bjorn was like a mistake by I thought that Harrington was supposed to be doing it all the time mm. and I thought he missed his flight or something like that and they got mm. Thomas Bjorn in but Harrington was just like a breath of fresh air for the commentary because he's so honest, a- honest and mm. accurate and everything but I think also for, for Sky Sports they like that kind of player who's just come off the tour. Yeah. Or, you know, same with the football pundits. They want that guy who knows the modern game. And and yeah. Porrick mm-hmm. knows the modern game. And also, he knows, as a three-time major, what it takes. So yeah. you have all of those kind of boxes yeah. ticked. Um, I did not miss Monty. Um, <laughs> I heard Monty was like Al Jazeera that. or something like that, one of the, the Middle Eastern channels. For no, I, I just that... jokingly said oh, that did to you, you on the smartphone course. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I well, said, not yeah. beyond the bounds of I said, geez, I wonder where Monty went. Stop. And I said, he probably went out to do it in the Middle East or something. I thought you said but he did. But maybe he did. If he did, did at, yeah. at, at a good talk golf. Um, Lee Westwood is, is <laughs> 43. He'll be 44 next this month, the 24th of April. So Open championship you know. for Lee Westwood. Who knows? Um, do you still think Westwood has a chance of winning a major? I, do, I think his chances increased in w- for winning a major because Sergio's won. I really do. I think there's a l- there'll be a small little mentality shift he'll get from it. Be like, God, if Sergio can do it, I can do it. I so really think can I can win a major then? No. Not, so, not, not on the professional moving, level. Or maybe on the club on. level, yeah. I've already won one. Oh, uh, so <laughs> mo- moving on. liquidated. And, uh, when, uh, when, when Will turns off his PlayStation, uh, <laughs> the PGA is taking place at the Lottie... Championship presented by Hershey in uh, Hawaii. It's going to be played over the 6,397-yard par 72 Mingji Lee defence. Barry, is there a market uh, for this tournament? Uh, there is not, no, because no. we are all focused on the Masters. Perfect. There are the, two other tournaments <laughs> which we will reference, and we'll talk about them next week. The European so Tour mm-hmm. is out in Morocco playing the Trophy Hassan. It's going to be played over the 7,615-yard par 73, and Mr. Wang defends. And the PGA Tour is at the RBC Heritage at Hilton Head in Harbortown Golf Links. Is this the one that you love, this course? I do. I yeah, think it's great. It's the Czech jacket it's kind of thing. Pete died, yeah, the tartan jacket. Tartan and, the, jacket. and everybody knows the iconic lighthouse that you can yeah, see yeah. when you're playing the 18th. So, yeah, I, I really, I, it's a cool course. And I, I like that, you know, there's a good atmosphere to it and it's a good place. To, it seems like a good place to go after the Masters. Like, I mean, there's no pl- good place to, no great place to go after the Masters because it's come down from Augusta. But this one, uh, this one rates pretty Did highly for me. Did you a couple of years ago? GMAC did win it, yeah. yeah it was yeah. a twenty thirteen maybe, but um, yeah, Bob, Bobby who was uh, used to be on the show. I'm hoping was at the Masters this week. I'm hoping to get him on the phone to give us a uh, a feel for what it's like to be at the Masters. He got to he went and played uh, this course a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, he said it was absolutely fantastic. Well, they are currently because of the slight delay in putting out the podcast. They are currently in gameplay at the moment. Luke Donald is leading with a opening round sixty five for six under. Graham Delat is six under through 13 and Shane Lowry is at five under finish his round with the 66 so uh, good bounce back for Shane anyway um, you know from last week just like you said you know my, uh, their performance and result in the Masters is certainly not indicative of your current form and 
Shane was showing a little bit of signs of life, and he he'll have been motivated to go well this week, and it's a it's a ball striker's dream this course. But I think the other thing about Larry is he's only actually coming back after like obviously having a baby. Mm-hmm. So I think the Masters was maybe well, a week. His wife having a baby. Well, yeah. Well, listen, it takes two. You know, it's a team team effort. Uh, in it, let's wrap this up. Uh, Masters week as good as you expected, as enjoyable as you expected. Oh yeah, I loved it. It was great. Well, yeah, I, like again, it it. You know, it always delivers. You know, there's always something there that will make you want to come back and watch it again. You know, it's it could be boring for three days and then all of a sudden it just kicks off. Yeah, and I think it wasn't. It was fascinating for all four days for different reasons the whole way along. Um, Yeah, great masters. And I think the great thing is that this. Oh yeah, I think we'll look back on this and just you know, I will be very uh, honest and say there was a tear in my eye when uh, Sergio put that put in on the, the first playoff hole just for the sheer delight for the guy mm. and I think that's what's going to make this Masters maybe step out offline off, off from other Masters and say this was one that I'll remember for a long time because Sergio won it uh, it was a superb week uh, congratulations to Sergio if anybody has any views on the podcast or on the Masters or on Sergio or anything we've talked about, we're on Twitter. The handle is a good talk golf. The email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Uh, you'll find us on iTunes, Podbean, and various other places. Give us a rating if you can on iTunes. Perfect. Uh, Will, lovely to see you again. Barry, great to see you as always. Uh, good luck if you're playing golf this week, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye, huh? Well, goodbye. Bye-bye.